Well, good morning, Moberly. And good morning to all of you who are watching online today and worshiping online with us. What a joy it is to be here. And uh, to Tim, who just led our worship, the creativity, that last song was wonderful. Those little girls singing, oh, it's great. Let's give it up to the glory of God today, all right? Well, my wife Gina is with us in this service. Gina, why don't you stand? Let everybody see your beauty, honey. And uh, she doesn't always like me to do that, but I thought I would do it since she has orange on today. And, uh, and so anyway, I also wanted to do it because we've been married for a long, long time and uh, happily married, loved the ministry. Uh, we really loved pastoring our church. It wasn't that I needed a new job. I had a great job, but I had a calling in my life that occurred. And, uh, you know, when you're called by the Lord, you know that. And so pray for us as we're in a different journey in our lives, ministering in a whole different way to the ministry of 47,500 churches across the United States called Southern Baptist, of which you are. So it's great to be back in Texas. Gina and I drove down from Nashville, Tennessee yesterday. It's just a small drive and uh, eight to nine hours and uh, enjoyed our time. And it was so great when you get back to Texas. We're both from Texas. So we just felt filled with the Holy Spirit when we went across the line. And uh, so we're, we're very thankful to be home today in the state of Texas. Today, we're going to speak from the 15th chapter of the book of Acts. And so if you have a copy of God's Word or you dial it up digitally, would you please uh, uh, do that? And, uh, but Acts 15, I'm going to read from it in a moment. Uh, but before I do that, I, I want us to understand today that, that it doesn't matter who you are as a person, doesn't matter what organization you're a part of, what business you may be in, what church you attend, or what family you're a part of, we all have major problems in life from time to time. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how much you try to prevent it. And it doesn't matter uh, what the color of your skin may be or how long you've been where you are. Major problems occur to every one of us in life. The good news about the Bible is when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And when the Scripture speaks, there are principles that rise up in the Word of God that we need to look at and today I'm going to do that in Acts chapter 15. You see, you cannot control the problems that come into your life, but you can control how you respond to those problems. In fact, that's a major question I want to begin with today, and that is how will you respond to the major problems you will face in your life? Now, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit had come on the day of Pentecost. 
in chapter 2. The birth of the church occurred. Thousands came to faith and trust in Christ, and in a matter of, of chapters, which we know un, unfolded over the course of months and a few years, the church was just massively growing into the thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and churches were being planted, and missionaries were being sent around the world. And one of those great churches was the church at Antioch. It was talked about in chapter 11, chapter 13 of Acts and other places as well. But in Acts chapter 11, it says this about the church at Antioch. This is the kind of church every one of us want to have. The Lord's hand was with them. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. What a testimony. It's a great testimony to begin the service today with two adults walking in the waters of baptism, professing their faith unashamedly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is always working. And in this book of Acts in chapter 15, I'm going to lift up for you today five principles, five, I believe, biblical principles to follow when you are solving problems in your life. <clears throat> they're, they're going to come, those problems are. And you can rest assured that you need help when they come. That's exactly what happened at the church in Jerusalem and really all of the churches of the region. So look with me to chapter 15. Excuse me, and I want to, thank you, honey. I knew I needed you to bring me that. And, uh, but if you would, let's stand together in the Word and let's read the Word of God together in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, verse number 1 through verse number 11. Look at it on the screens. Look at it in your Bible. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Bible says, some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it? And after Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, Paul and Barnabas and some others who were appointed to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. And when they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through uh, both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the con con conversion of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. And when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the believers who belonged to the uh, party of the Pharisees stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, what the debate was is how do you really get saved? Do you get saved by grace alone? Or do you get saved by grace plus circumcision plus doing the law of Moses? Let's continue reading. The Bible says in the next verse, verse 6, 
the apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers and sisters, you are aware that in the early days God made a choice among you and that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did to us. He made no distinction between them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor have or we have been able to bear? Look at verse 11. On the contrary, we believe, listen to this, on the contrary, we believe, the Bible says, that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way they are. Amen. Father, may the Holy Spirit minister the Word of God to us today. Whoever has the greatest problem, the greatest need, I pray they'll get biblical instruction from our time together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, what is happening in here in Acts chapter 15? There was a controversy that arose over the doctrine of grace. Some Christian Jews from Jeru Jerusalem debated with Paul and Barnabas. And they believed that the Gentiles, now the Gentiles would be people like us, not Jews. And they believed that the Gentiles could not be saved unless they were circumcised like the Jews and also followed the teaching of Moses. Now listen, here's the question. Is grace powerful enough to save you from your sins? And is grace alone powerful enough to save people like you and me? Gentiles, people that are not of the Jewish faith. Is God's grace big enough to save the Jew? Are we saved by Christ and him alone? Or are we saved through Christ plus a bunch of other stuff which equals our salvation? That's the issue. Well, this big controversy happened and they brought back all the elders and the apostles and they brought them to Jerusalem. And the Jerusalem church welcomed them because testimonies came from all around the region of what God was doing. So the immediate objection occurred. And listen to what the objection was. The issue was grace. Some of the Pharisees believed that all Gentiles could be followers of Christ if they come to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and they are circumcised, and they are doing the law of Moses. Paul and Barnabas said, no, 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 no. Paul and Barnabas, along with James and others, said, people are saved only through grace of God in Christ alone. When we repent of our sin and we turn by faith in Jesus, we are saved, period. Well, how did they get through this debate? 
Those are the five principles I want to teach you because I'm telling you they'll help you in your life because you will walk through things personally in your family, in your business, in your organization you're a part of, your team, or even your church. So I'm going to lift up some things that matter. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to be real simple. If you're trying to remember, I'm going to be real simple. If you're not trying to remember, I'm still going to be simple. Here's what matters most. First of all, doctrine matters. That's the first thing. Doctrine matters. In verse 7 through 12, you see how doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. They had a meeting to convene about doctrine. Now, what's doctrine? Doctrine is oftentimes minimized, but doctrine needs to be maximized. Doctrine would be the teachings of the Scripture. Are you listening? Doctrines come from the Bible. Are you hearing me, church? Marberly Church is, yes, a Baptist church, but you are a Bible church as well. You preach the Bible. You believe the Bible. And we get our doctrines not from various periodicals of theology. We do not get our doctrine from the news accounts. We get our doctrine from the word of the living God. So Peter told them that God made the choice that the Gentiles would hear the gospel and those Gentiles would be saved just like those Jews are saved. Faith in Christ alone. In fact, the question came, is why in the world, Peter said, would you ever want to tie them up beyond grace? Grace is enough. We are saved by grace alone, period. And Paul and Barnabas started giving testimonies of how all these Gentiles, their lives were changing. And they even testified they even received the Holy Spirit like we did. And they're a part of the family of God just like we are. But let me be clear today. The doctrine of salvation is grounded in the grace of God. And we are saved by grace in Christ alone. Faith in Christ alone, grace by Christ alone is not up for grabs in your church or any church. The Bible, Bible settles the issue. And the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by baptism. We're not saved by the sacraments or by the observances of the Lord's Supper, we would say. But no, listen, we're saved by grace and grace alone. Some people say, well, doctrine doesn't matter. Doctrine does matter. That'd be like saying, let's create a, a, a country out here and there would be no law. No law matters. Uh, let's, let's create a church without a doctrine. Then more people can feel like they can be a part of this big old community. It doesn't work that way. People don't want to be a part of something that you don't believe in anything. So we must always lift up the doctrines of the Holy Scripture. Your church believes in what your faith statement is, which is the Baptist faith and message. 
what we believe the Bible teaches. You should read it if you haven't read it. It's full of incredible insights from the Scripture. You are a Bible church. Doctrine matters. But I want to lift up something because Acts 15 addresses it. You see, when people want to add to Christ alone salvation, we call that legalism. So I want to, I want to give you a big, big beware. And here's the beware. Legalism adds to grace. Legalism adds to grace. Grace is enough. You need to be careful, Marberly Church, when you tell people to be saved, don't be talking to them about the rest of everything. You tell them Christ alone saves you. Don't try to put them into some little line of things they got to do. The first thing they got to do is the most important thing. They get that right, then they'll want to do some of the others. Are you with me? So we need to understand that legalism adds to grace. And we need to celebrate that grace is sufficient and no add-ons are needed. I want you to celebrate today that if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved by grace. That means all your sins are forgiven. God does not remember your sins. They're as far as the east is from the west. You will not give an account of your sins. You are saved. You are going to heaven when you die. You are clean because when Jesus sees you, he sees the righteousness of himself placed on your life by forgiveness of sins. Man, that's a good life. And that's the way God sees you. Grace and doctrine matters. Secondly, leadership matters. Leadership matters. In chapter 15, verse 19, Pastor James, he was the lead pastor of the church at Jerusalem. In fact, he ended up losing his life. He was persecuted and killed by the sword. But here in chapter 15, verse 19, he said, Therefore, in my judgment, we should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God. This lead pastor, he exhibited big leadership. He was more open-minded than some of the others. And he had more at stake than some of the others, but he, but he was open-minded to what God had told him. And he knew that not only were Jewish Christians saved by grace alone, but Gentile Christians were saved by grace alone. He even reminded all those Pharisees of the prophet Amos that said in the book of Amos, and he quotes it here in the book of Acts, he talks about Amos and he says that Amos even prophesied there'd come a day when a Gentile could be saved, that he could come to God and be close to God. Well, it was that leader that called the church up. Listen to me, Marbley Church. Leadership matters. You need a pastor, and you're going to enter a journey, a search for a pastor. And who you get to pastor this church is a big decision. But God's already got that man chosen. And God is getting that man ready. And he's getting you ready. And he's pleading with God about his life, even though he doesn't know what that means. 
And you're here, hopefully, already beginning to pray for your next pastor and to pray for the process to find and discover that pastor. It's not like God's got to go discover him. God already knows who he is. He's just waiting on him and, you know, waiting on you and waiting on God's timing. Are you with me? And who he is is important because leadership matters. It was James who stood up as the pastor. Understand clearly, James could have contributed to the controversy as the pastor, but he chose to lead because leaders lead. He didn't sit this one out. He didn't sit back over here saying, now boys, I don't know the answer to this question. Y'all go right ahead. Y'all saw that. I'll just kind of acquiesce to the moment. No, uh-uh. What do you do? He said, listen, we got to all come together. These people get saved just like these other people get saved. They get the Spirit of God just like we get the Spirit of God. We need to chill out, dudes. Some of y'all need to shut, and then we need to roll forward in so many words. Are you with me? Leadership matters. What kind of leadership did he give? Hear me. The same kind of leadership your next pastor needs to give. Look at this. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. A leader who leads with biblical authority, on the basis of biblical authority. That's how James led. Boy, you want a Bible preacher. A preacher that guides his life by the Bible. I mean, you want a guy that can, that can get after it in this pulpit and he can unfold the truth of God in a compelling way and call you to live better than you've ever lived. And done more for God than you've ever done. You personally and your church collectively. And James provided spiritual leadership. You want a spiritual leader. Not just a Bible preacher. But somebody who is walking tightly with God. Somebody that's got that vertical relationship. Gets up in that early morning and seeks the Father of heaven. And pleads with God for the anointing and the leadership of the Spirit of the Lord. Somebody that has an intimate walk with Jesus Christ. And you want somebody also who leads you toward unity in the fellowship. Built upon the clarity that God has given him in his life. And he leads you with moral authority. And he leads you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he leads you with a wholesome life in every manner to be God's man for you. Pastor and pastors of local church have the responsibility to lead through doctrinal misunderstanding, to lead through challenges that the people go through, to lead a church toward commonality, just like a daddy has to do that in a family, and just like a coach has to do that on a team. Leadership matters. Pray for your pastor. Look at me, Marley. Pray for your pastor every day right now. Well, I don't know his name. Don't worry about it. God's got his name. God's getting you ready. And you praying for him will help you be receiving him one day when he stands in this pulpit and they introduce him. Folks, here's our next pastor. And God's going to show you. But let me show you what else matters. Fellowship matters. In Chapter 15, verse 20 through 21, it's an interesting note here because James not only talks about those Gentiles turning to God, but James also took those Gentiles and he told them, now guys, 
You can be saved by grace. You are saved by grace alone. But once you're saved by grace, you need to understand, you need to start living by grace. You need to start doing some things that God wants you to do. In other words, salvation has a place, but that's the beginning of your life with God. It's not the end of your life with God. And what did he talk to them about? Well, look at that text in verse, in verse uh, 20 and 21. Uh, notice it with me. He said, but instead we should write to them. In other words, we need to tell these people, these, these churches out here, that these Gentiles who are coming to Christ, they also need to abstain from, from doing things that are hurting them, like being polluted by idols. Some are still practicing sexual immorality. Some are eating anything that's been strangled and from blood. For since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath day, he has read aloud in the synagogues. Meaning that there are some of the ancient truths that are still true today and you need to live out those truths. That's the point that James is leaving and saying to us. He was calling them to separate their lives unto God and to Christ alone. But that begins at salvation. That's why Paul said in, 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 the, in, the, in the New Testament, I believe it was Philippians, when he said that we are working out our salvation. He was not saying you're working for your salvation. You are working out your salvation, meaning your salvation begins. And now every decision you make, you are proving your salvation before a world that needs Jesus Christ. You're becoming more like the Lord. I want you to get something because I, I want to show it to you today because to me, I'm telling you, this is one of the key things that our church needs to remember today and you need to remember it in your life. I'm going to read it right here. Look at it. Please get this. Grace puts us in the same spiritual family, but it's our choices daily that determine whether we are going to live in spiritual harmony with one another. That's what James was saying. James was saying, grace of God puts you in the family, but now that you're in the family by grace alone, you need to start making better choices as a testimony and as an exhibition of you being in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to tell you, that statement alone that was on that screen was worth every mile me driving yesterday to tell you that. Because it's true for every family. It's true for every church. It's true for every business. It's like you, you can, as a daddy or a mama, you can tell your kids to listen. You were born into this family. Stop wishing you were in another family. That's not your problem. Your problem is the choices you're making in your life. That's exactly what goes on in churches all over America. The Spirit of God bursts us in the family, but it's our choices that determine whether we're going to live in fellowship with one another and in unity together. Grace isn't our problem, but living out that grace with the gospel, that becomes the challenge. Our doctrine must be biblical and clear. Fellowship matters in the church. So don't you let anyone ever tell you that fellowship doesn't matter. Fellowship matters in the church. And Christian fellowship is always tied to biblical truth. That's why you have got to stay in this word. This word is key. 
Because this word tie is the tie that brings you together. And it helps you have community together and to operate in fellowship with one another. So let me show you a fourth principle. And that principle is cooperation matters. Cooperation matters. Oh, listen, I want to show you something here. And this is really powerful. And some of you are going to say, oh, man, you're going to read this? Yes, I am. Because the Bible is the Bible. And God can say more in a moment than I can ever say as long as I as long, as much breath as I have. So listen carefully. Look at, we, uh, at the scripture with me. Follow it in the scripture. Follow it on the screens today. It's really powerful. Chapter 15, verse number 22. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to select men who were among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So notice what they did. They selected Judas called Barsabbas. That's not Judas Iscariot that betrayed Christ. Remember, he's died. he died, okay? He hung himself. And then Silas, both leading men from among the brothers. Now, what they did is that they wrote a document to go share with these churches so everybody would understand what was determined by the leaders and by what they believed was biblical. From the apostles and the elders, your brothers, and to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Look at verse 24. Since we have heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts. Now, how had they unsettled the churches out there? Telling them, that not only are you saved by grace, but you got to get circumcised and you got to start doing what Moses said. No, 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 no. No, we don't want to unsettle your heart. This is a document that's going to settle your heart. Are you with me, church? Uh, okay, I hope you're with me. Now stay with me. I know that it's, that it's Sunday. I want you to stay with me, okay? Now listen. And so here we are, and, and, and the scripture is speaking, and God is moving. And he tells them he's going to, he wants them to settle their heart. Look at the next verse. We have unanimously decided. Now listen, I don't know if they were Baptists because they unanimously decided. However, they unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with our dearly loved Barnabas and Saul who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who were personally report the same things by the word of mouth. Now look at verse 28, underline verse 28. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to replace further burdens on you beyond these requirements. Hey, listen, that is a great prescription right there. It was the Holy Spirit's He's the one who led us to what God said. And we agreed with him. We aligned ourselves off of the word of God and what the spirit said. It wasn't like, okay, let's all give our opinion about all this. And now let's line up what the opinion is. No, we line up by the scripture. Are you with me, church? We line up by the Holy Spirit and his leadership towards the word of God. Bible says in verse 29 that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. Uh, that's the end of the document. 
So they sent them off and they went down to Antioch and after gathering the assembly, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because it's encouragement. Both Judas and Silas, who were also prophets themselves, encouraged the brothers and sisters, strengthened them with a long message. See, long messages have been around for a long time. After spending some time there, they were sent back in peace. Boy, what a great statement. Here they were, they heard God's word, and guess what the brothers out there did? They sent them back. You guys go and be men of peace, meaning what they have said, it resonates with our heart. And you tell them all is well. Our hearts are settled. God's peace is powerful. You're our brothers and sisters, but Paul and Barnabas, along with many others remaining in Antioch, and they continue to teach and preach the word of God to the people. Well, cooperation matters. Oh, it's so important. The text is powerful. It needs a little explanation ultimately. But I do want to say to you today, there's one thing you cooperate on as a church that draws you together. If you don't get anything else I said, I need you to get this one. And that is a deep belief that everybody in Longview needs Jesus Christ. Did you hear me, Marberly? Are you listening? You can disagree about secondary matters. That happens. It comes, it goes. But there's one thing beyond the Bible you must always understand. Because from Genesis to Revelation... God's ultimate goal is to get his glory into every corner of this universe. And that comes through the salvation of men and women, boys and girls. And what matters most and what ties you together and what unifies you together, you cooperate together for one sole purpose, to get the gospel to every person in Longview to get the gospel to Texas, to get the gospel to America, to get the gospel to the world. That's what unites you. And that's what will see you through. That's what will make you be a great church is when that becomes the story of your heart. Principle number five, with this we close. Trust matters. Trust matters. I won't take the time to read chapter 15, verse 36 through 41, but I will tell you the story. Barnabas wanted to take a young man by the name of John Mark. They were about to go on another missionary journey. Paul disagreed with Barnabas. You know why he disagreed with Barnabas? He said that John Mark was immature left them before when they were on a mission together. And the problem was Paul didn't trust John Mark. Okay? That's what happened. Well, Paul and Barnabas disagreed on this issue, and they determined, listen to this, they determined they were going to separate on different mission. God used this ultimately for his glory, but Barnabas went that way, and Paul went that way. Barnabas took John Mark, who was his nephew, by the way, according to many historians, and Paul took Silas. So this is what happened. Later in life, 
Later in life, John Mark received the trust of Paul because John Mark matured and he helped Paul later in life. And he joined him. And it was John Mark who most believe was Mark who wrote the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark, which really was according to the testimony that he heard from Peter and others about this living Jesus that they had seen. Now, the work was not hurt. The Bible says that even though there was disagreement and one went one way, one went the other, look at chapter 16, verse 5. It says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers. Now listen, we need to understand something clearly today. Fellowship and ministry are hard to do together whenever trust is violated. It's hard to do that. And churches at times lose their trust. Individual members of churches lose their trust. It happens. It happens in business partnerships. It happens on teams. It happens in government when people don't trust one another. It happens in all kinds of ways. And what John Mark had evidently forfeited with Paul earlier that Barnabas was willing to overlook, Paul wasn't. But later on, God used this in Paul's life. You see, God used this new problem to expand his gospel to more places. And there's always hope for forgiveness and restoration because later John Mark worked with Paul. You never give up on people. Every relationship has a certain level you can go to in that relationship. Every relationship does. And you know what you build it on? Trust. You lose your trust, you have problems. Marriages are built on trust. Trust. Pastors and the people is one of the greatest relationships in life. But they're built on trust. So what do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You get your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Doesn't matter whether it's family, sports, business, church. You forgive. And you go on. Because everything is built on trust. And you always give God room to bring them back in your life. Trust matters. That's why we trust in Christ and Christ alone for our salvation, period. I don't trust in a church. I don't trust in baptismal waters, in living a good life, working. No, I trust in Christ and Christ alone. What are you trusting in? The same one who has the power to save you will save you. 
And the same one who once he saves you, he will keep you. And you can always trust him. You get your eyes on Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I pray now that if you've never given your life to Christ, that you will give your life to Jesus Christ today. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in this room with me today, I'm going to ask you, will you give your life to Jesus Christ? And if you're a Christian today, will you follow Jesus Christ, trusting him through it all? And will you base your life on the Bible and keep your eyes on Jesus? And you are trusting him because when you trust him, you trust people and you believe in people. And you believe there's a way that can always come back into your life. Easier said than done. But that's why we stay close to God. Now, Father, as closure comes to this worship service, may people unite with the Lord in a fresh manner. And we ask all of this in the powerful name of our Lord. Amen.